This week's Devil's Detail podcast. I'm Rob Paxson, and we're here talking all things Salford Red Devils. Joining the show, as ever, we've got Paul Whiteside, fresh from uh, the Wigan game. Paul, how are you feeling? All right, I'm just warming myself up with the brew. I've not been home that long, actually. Um, yeah, feeling okay. Feeling okay. A bit disappointed with the result, but in my heart of hearts, I, I didn't fancy us tonight, even though I predicted us to win on the podcast. I didn't really fancy a win tonight, you know, after the, after the euphoria of Wembley. And, Coming back down to earth, I think Wigan were well drilled, weren't they? And I was expecting a, a defeat, to be honest, but not not of that magnitude. So yeah, a bit a bit disappointed, mate, after after the Lord Mayor Shaw Wembley and coming back down to earth with a bump like that. Yeah, um, we'll just talk about the Wigan game because uh, it's a quick turnaround this uh, in the, this week with what three games in a week. Yeah, it certainly is. It that's what I mean. It gets even tougher now. We've got a two day break now, and then Monday tea time. We've got another game against St Helens, haven't we? In that small matter of St Helens, who were top of the table, so we played second top tonight, top of the table on Monday. Then a week tonight, we've got Warrington, haven't we? So uh, yeah, a real difficult week. Yeah. So um, Salford's lineup a bit changed from the Wembley one, uh, Paul. Uh, nine levels uh, dropped out just before kick off with a, I think it was a leg injury. Uh, Astro Bot came in. Uh, to take his place, uh, but he lim- he limped off, uh, went off injured as well, uh, which caused uh, all kinds of problems for Ian Watson. Yeah, he did. I know when I initially did my team news after I was having a brew in St. Helens, he was on the team sheet, Niall, and then I got um, I saw on Twitter that they changed it round, and I did see Niall walking up and down with like um, I don't think he was water carrier, but he had like a, a bottle in his hand. I think he was spraying the ball with like disinfectant or something, you know, when it came off. So he was a bit of a bit of a water man, come ball man at the match, so he was walking up and down, so he wasn't as if he was in dock, you know, um, injured or anything, so whether he's just pulled up before the game, but yeah, Ashaw Bot came in, and I didn't see him go off Ashaw Bot, so I don't know, but he struggled in the early stages, and he? he coughed a few eye kicks up and looked a bit vulnerable under the eyeball as well, so uh, probably not his best performance in a Salford shirt. No, not his, not his best performance, but obviously we're going out a very good side, Paul, and, you know, our Wembley sort of hangover did kick in a bit, um, I thought. Wigan started really well. Uh, first try was from uh, Sam Powell, powered over to make it 6-0. Uh, to them, it was all oh, Wigan. was a lot of pressure put on us. We kind of sort of held on during that period better than I thought w- we would have done in the past. Yeah, we, we did. And we didn't have any possession early doors at all, did we? I think the first sort of bit of possession we had... Uh, was from a kick from Inu that Wigan spilled and I think that was about 20 minutes it was after the 20 minute while when we finally got into their 20 in an attacking position in their sort of red zone as they call it but that first sort of 20 minutes was all Wigan won it you know scoring I think it was 18 nil up weren't they after 18 minutes so um, yeah a, a real sort of first 20 minutes to forget and they came out with an attitude you know to, to win that game didn't they I think they've been targeting that match they've had a they had a two-week break, haven't they, since the last play? So they were fresh, and um, they seem to have a lot more energy than what Salford had. They did, they did, Paul. Um, Sam Powell scored his second try. A bit controversial this one. I thought he'd lost the ball out the back of his hand, but video referee deemed that he'd grounded it with his elbow. And it's it kind of it irritates fans, doesn't it? Really, when things like that happen, when the letter of the law is you, you can use any part of your, your body to ground the ball. Um, and he, in theory, he did ground the ball with his elbow, but in in real life, it's a knock on. 
Yeah, well, I can't, I can't really comment on that because I didn't see it. I've only seen it live at the game. I've not watched the replays. and that. There's no big screen at the game, so I've not seen any television replays. I just saw it in real time from where I was sat in the stand, obviously, um, with my eyes. So I could only see him go over the line. So I didn't see the grounding of the ball. But I believe from what I've seen on social media and what I've seen and a few people who've texted me saying that was never a... Never a try with a few swear words in it, so um, <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't know without looking at it. But from what I've heard, it, it sounded a bit controversial. But I believe the Chris Kendall sent it upstairs as um, as a try, didn't he? So it's always going to be difficult for the video referee to overrule it. Yeah, yeah, and unfortunately, we're going to have momentum at that point, Paul. Uh, Liam Farrell scored sort of a break down the wings, so we able to get across, and he went under the post to for him to make it eighteen nil, and then Bevan French. Showed all the classes he'd had. He's got with a, a long range effort uh, to put Wigan twenty four points to the good. Yeah, it was nice work from Jake Bibby there. He really stepped inside Bibby, put his foot on the gas, and then put French away. And Bevan French is very, very fast. He's got a lot, an awful lot of pace, as we saw uh, sort of back in the last season when he was playing for Wigan. And he, he's, he's a really good support player. And um, I thought he was by far the, the the best man on the pitch tonight for, for Wigan. He he really was super. A good player to watch, exciting player to watch, and uh, I think Salford kicking was poor sometimes on the last tackle. We we seemed to kick straight to him, and we didn't make him work, make him turn round. You know, if he's catching the ball on the full and he's coming at you, he's he's, he's making thirty yards before you made a tackle. So uh, yeah, poor tactics from us on, on kicking, but no twenty four nil up there after uh, well, it was less than half an hour gone in the match, and you're really staring down the barrel and have a big defeat. Yeah, I think. Like you said, with the Ashobot going off injured, he kind of had to, Ian Watson had to shuffle his pack a bit, and they had Joey Lusick at half back, and it kind of like he clunked along, but it wasn't like expect he wasn't as sort of speedy and as, as slick as we used to. Obviously, because Joey Lusick doesn't usually play six or seven, he usually plays nine, and that's probably why there wasn't that fluidity. But Joey Lusick did create a try for Callum Watkins in the corner. Good work by Lusick, giving Watkins the ball, and he went over to score. Yeah, he finished quite well. I was watching the way he shuffled it round. What I thought he'd put Akers at standoff, and he had kept Ucker roll to, to Lusick. He certainly seemed that way in the scrum. And then Tuil Allaria had gone to full-back, and Tuil Allaria looked a lot a lot more comfortable at full-back, I thought, than, than Ashall Bot did. I mean, he's only a youngster, and he's probably not played much this season, so he, he did get caught out a few times. But we did look a bit smoother there with uh, with to it to fall back but no it was, a, it was a good nice try from Callum Watkins who, who came up with that I don't think Callum put put a foot wrong really in the game he looked uh, he looked quite astute there in his in his centre position and uh, yeah I'm not saying it got us back into the game but it was the it, we definitely need a score you know half an hour gone 24-0 so that, that score got us on the score sheet at least yeah Bevan French scored again for Wigan just for half time to make it 36 um, at that point Paul I was thinking it's just a matter of getting through this next 40 minutes and for me the second half we were better we dug in and we you know we gave as good as we got yeah Wigan are a good side yeah they've had whatever two weeks rest on us uh, and that showed I thought but all, all us fans want is players sort of giving us effort and, and showing they're committed to the cause and they are tired both physically and mentally for me so second half was better for me I don't know. We lost the first half 30 points to six and we lost the second half 28 points to six. So it was five tries in each half, wasn't it? So, yeah, I, I get where you're coming from. I, I thought it was a disappointing performance all round. There's probably a lot of factors in that. 
um, you know, you, you, you've had a big cup final and a big build-up to that cup final. And that's probably taken a lot out of the players emotionally and physically, you know, losing the game as well. And then obviously coming up against the Wigan side. And let's have, let's have it right now. Wigan are second in the table, challenging St. Helens. And I, I'm not a betting man, but I think those two will be the top two this season. And I wouldn't be surprised if they're in the grand final. So Wigan, all their eggs are in that grand final basket now. And they've come into tonight... Nicely cooked because they didn't have a game last week with Catalan because it got postponed. So they're they're on they're at boiling point at the end ready to play. So I think we just got caught a bit there tonight. I don't think Chris Kendall, the referee, was brilliant. I'm not saying he lost us a game, but he's that sort of referee that sometimes you get on the back foot with him because he's very whistle happy. And there was an awful lot of those six to goals tonight. I couldn't believe how many there was for both sides. There seems to be loads of them. But um that that first half an hour, Wigan blew us away there and we didn't have any answer to it. But I think the first points of the second half came Salford's way, didn't they? It was a nice try as well. Um, Tuilola here going over. Yeah, Tuilola here scored for Salford just after half time. And, you know, little sort of uh, grasses, green of grass optimism growing a little bit. But then obviously Wigan then turn on the afterburners. Um, French got his hat trick. Farrell got another one. Hastings scored as well. And yeah, it was it was a tough it was a tough ask, I thought. Um, especially after the cup final, but it is what it is. We have to get it out of our system, don't we, Paul? Yeah, there's there's a few mistakes in the game as well that, that I thought what I would be really disappointed at. Uh, we kicked out on the full from a kickoff, you know, we're forty points to twelve down. That's that's unforgivable. Joey Lussett fails to make touch from a penalty. Just silly little things like that. I mean, they're probably not big things in the grand scheme of things in the game, but Wigan scored quite a lot of tries on the back of our errors, didn't they? You know, silly knock-ons and things like that. So, what I will definitely be looking at ironing those things out. I mean, it's a real short turnaround now. We've got Saturday, Sunday off before a game on Monday. So, probably not going to do much training now, you know, recovery day tomorrow or whatever. So, they've not got a lot, a lot of time to, to, to adjust things. But one uh, one concern for me was Mark Flanagan going off. I think it was just before the hour mark it was. He left the field. Real heavy collision. I think it was with Ben Flower. They both went into the tackle. I think Mark Flanagan went to put a big hit on him. Uh, Flower's a big man. And it was a real massive collision. It was a real crunch in the ground. And uh, he was down for a minute flash. And he hobbled off the pitch there. He looked looked quite badly concussed because he, he, he didn't seem to know where he was at the time. The, the people who was helping him off, the, the doctor and the... The, the lady, the physio, um, helped him off. Then he looked in, it looked in a bit of a, a dodgy way. So I hope Flash is all right. But with the rules and that now, with his head test and whatever, he'll, he'll probably, well, I'm sure he'll miss the next the next two games now, won't he? With it being, I think it's a two week break. You have to have it. Well, it's at least a week anyway. So he'll miss the miss that game. So that was that was another blow for us. So, uh, so yeah, and we finished the game struggling, didn't we? His French completed his hat trick, and as we said before, he was he was he was quality tonight. That Bevan French. Yep, talking about Ian Watson. Here he is now in the after-match press conference. Coach's corner. All right, Ian, it's Rob. Hi, Rob. Defeat tonight against a strong Wigan side. Uh, talk us through it. Yeah, I, I just thought, mate, they were just really energetic, mate. Just played the game really simple. Started with three big middles. He wanted to run straight over the top of us in the middle. We just kind of didn't get control of that kind of the energy battle there. They just won that completely, mate. We, we we looked really flat, but we were really flat in training yesterday and we had a good chat about that as well, about making sure that we don't turn up here flat. Um, but you, you can talk about it all day long, mate. It's about going out there and doing it. But the guys for the last five or six weeks have been outstanding with everything that they've faced and they've done. I think it's probably just hit us like a, like a ton of bricks, mate, to be fair today. 
Yeah, Nile Evans dropping out just for kickoff. Astral Bolt dropping off as well and during the game. I suppose your game plan went up in the air at that point. Oh, you have to rejig re things, mate. But what we can't do is we've not got a big enough squad, mate, to risk people getting hurt um, long term. And we, we need everybody available. It's Like I said, a lot of our middles have been playing two games a week now for the last three or four weeks, to be fair. And they're putting fair shifts in. Um, like I said, Seb had to pull out yesterday in the, in the captain's run because of his hamstring. That's probably because of the amount of games and minutes he's been playing. Yeah, going through these tough times shows the character that the boys have got. Yeah, the, 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 the boys will come out of it well, mate, to be fair. The, that's disappointing today. They've had some real good respect um, of as a group of what they've done, but they've got that because they've worked really hard and they dig in. Um, today, we've, we've probably just overspent a little bit, mate, to be fair. So we just need to regroup and kind of get back onto the, get back onto the horse, mate, if you like. Yeah, yeah, it was a few strange decisions that first half, but you can't blame that, can you? <laughs> no, you can if you want, Rob. <laughs> no. <laughs> No, mate, it's yeah, nothing to do with the referee. It's all about our performance and Wigan's performance. I thought Wigan were really, really good, mate, to be fair. Yeah, second half we dug in, though, which shows some encouragement. Yeah, I thought there was, there was like, it's like if you look at it on a scale, there'll be some good bits, then it'll have gone poor, then good, then poor. But again, that comes through energy, that, Robin. We, we, are, we are missing that a little bit at the moment. So, like I say, we're not making excuses for that um, in the changing room. Like I say, I'm probably making a couple of excuses for the players because of the amount of games they've played over the last few weeks. But we knew this was going to be coming. We, we, we said we, we don't mind playing all these games if we got to a Challenge Cup final and having to kind of back up. Um, it'd be on the back of that. But at some point, when, you, when you're such a small squad like ours, mate, it's going to hit you at some point. I think it's probably just hit us. Yeah, Sir Ellen's on Monday. Um, what's the prep like for that? Is it going to be a quick turnaround? Well, yeah, they're going to have to recover pretty quickly, mate, because Sunday we'll have to come in and try and see if we can select a team. Um, Monday we'll up against a quality team, so we'll, we'll see what happens from there, mate. Good luck, Ian. Cheers, Rob. So that was Ian Watson. Uh, Paul talking to myself. He talks about uh, the players you know, being tired uh, and now they're going to be able to try and, and manage the situation, um, you know, in the games to come, because obviously the two big games to come and they've had two big games in the last week. Well, that's it. You've got no, <clears throat> excuse me, I'm losing my voice. You've got no sort of rest. Now we've got St. Helens on, on, on Monday and then we've got Warrington a week tonight on the Friday. So you come back after the St. Helens game, you have a bit of a, um, bit of rehab on the Tuesday and then it's Wednesday and you're backing up again aren't you for another match on the Friday so it's difficult it really is with our squad as well we've not got a huge squad I know there was a bit of um, to in and fro in tonight and people rested and Chris Wellham um, made way for Elliot Keir coming in so you had a few players out there but Kevin Brown's out now for the season having ankle surgery so that's going to be a big miss but I thought Chris Atkin did well tonight I thought he came in and, and worked really hard so I think Chris has got an ideal opportunity now to, to lay a bit of a marker down and get some games under his belt and he'll be looking to sort of if I was him I'd be looking at play, trying to get in the side for every game now this season and get a bit of consistency so you know we've got this big week now against Saints and Warrington and if my memory serves me right we've got Catalan Castleford Hull KR <laughs> and Wakefield to play I think haven't we so we've got six games left I think now so you know we, we, obviously the, the Warrington the Saints game is going to be difficult but we've got games there that we can we can target but I think what we'll be looking at Saints now on Monday and uh, just see if we can make an improvement I think it's just about managing the players now and protecting them a bit because you know 
cup final in these games coming every whatever three and sort of three and four days um the, the danger of is the danger is burning them out and this squad we've got isn't the biggest squad so the rotation um won't won't be as big especially with injuries as well you have to factor in so it'll be i think it'll be trickier for Ian Watson to 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 make sure we keep at that optimum level you know, we we want the players to 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 be able to play to the maximum ability, but we also don't want to burn them out, do we? No, not at all. Not at all. And like I said, there you've you've lost probably Mark Flanagan and Kevin Brown already, two of your elder statesmen of the team, two of your experienced players. Uh, I know Seb didn't play tonight, so hopefully he'll be fresh and, and ready for Monday, as will Chris Wellham. So uh, there's two guys coming back in. Um, this this season's funny, really. I was thinking about it on the way home tonight. It's a bit unprecedented, isn't it? I mean. Hopefully next season you're not going to have this where you're backing up and playing tons of games. I mean, I know in the past we played two games at Easter, but at the moment we're sort of playing two games a week, aren't we, with these <laughs> midweek games and what have you? So it must be difficult for the players. I mean, I know people might say, well, they played three games at Easter years ago in the seventies, but the game's a bit different now, I think, isn't it? And we can't really compare eras and stuff like that as much as we'd like to. So especially with our squad as well, because it's so limited. You are asking a lot of the players out to back up and what have you. So, um, so yeah, I wasn't too despondent. I disappointed with the result because I think that's the most we've conceded against Wigan for a long time. So, disappointed by that. Um, but I don't know. I don't think you can question the effort of players. I think the effort was there. It was just um, just a case of it's been a massive week for the club and that that Wembley hangover. Um, I think it always. Um, it's difficult. I saw a stat before. Someone texted me a stat. What one of the commentators said tonight. I'm not heard it because I've not watched it. But apparently, one of the commentators said that the last eleven seasons, the team that's lost the Challenge Cup final has won the game the week after. So <laughs> uh, we've broken that mould now. So uh, so yeah, but I'm not too worried. Just more more disappointed. I think. I'm not, I'm not disappointed about it. I, I just I just think it kind of shows that we've still got steps to go. So the likes of like Warrington and sort of Wigan, they're able to rotate their players because they have bigger squads. And because we don't have the luxury of that, you've got players who, who might be undercooked going into into this game because of all the emotional and all the physical exertion they, they put up in, in, in the cup final. So I I thought they gave, you know, what I expected. And we just came across a, a Wigan team who were white hot and Bevan French playing like a, like a will beater. Yeah, yeah, I suppose so. It's, it's tough, isn't it? You've got to back it up in Super League if you want to be a decent team. And, you know, we've done well in the Cup this season, but we have been a bit scratchy in the league, haven't we? Our league position doesn't lie. And before the break in the season, before the lockdown, we lost games at home that we should have won earlier in the season. So our league form hasn't been that good this year. So we can we can go on about that all we want, can't we? But, you know, we need, we need to be better if we're going to be up there challenging. And, you know, we've just got to get through the, these games. And I was saying to somebody at the, the game tonight, I'll be glad when the season's over now, really, to be honest, because it's been a, been a test for everybody, hasn't it? And uh, you know, particularly the players, they've had a lot to put up with, you know. It, it must be difficult, you know. Say you're, you know, put yourself in the players' position now, they've got to have tests every week. It must be pretty stressful having these COVID tests and worrying about this. And don't forget, like, there's another guy we've got out at the moment, Dan Sardison, with, with the, the positive test and... Um, Jack Armour had forgot about them, so those guys were missing as well. So when you've only got a small squad, you're doing it tough, aren't you? And like I said, that stress of these tests and all the situation that's going on and having to isolate when they go home, and there must be some sort of routine they've got to go in. I don't think they can go out and do the shopping and all that, the players. They're in this bubble, aren't they? So they must go and train and then go home. So it's been a lot on them this season, and it's it's been a freak of a season, really, and I hope we never have to put with a season like this again. 
Yeah, big thanks for your three-word match reports and man of the matches. Uh, Colin Reynolds, officiating was awful. Um, his man of the match was Yates. Uh, Paul Sly, he doesn't nappy about Chris Kendall. Uh, he wants uh, Klusik as man of the match. Uh, Natalie Taylor, fair referee needed Mossop. Uh, Mark, very tired team, uh, Lee Mossop. Tony Frame, very under par. Joey, David Snape, pretty poor. Mossop or Yates. And Lee Maddox, very poor officials, Mossop. I think they've got a point about referees because I think that try where he spills the ball and they give it as a as a try where he grounds it tries to tries change games and if he doesn't give that one it, I'm not saying we you know we we go on a you know it flips the game you know in 180 and and so forth, go on and win it but it it carries on that momentum and and for me it was a big turning point yeah it was I'm never really one for blaming referees, but it's difficult on here, isn't it, if you start bagging people off. But I'm not a massive fan of that Chris Kendall. I don't know. Every time he's, he's refereed us, we seem to get canned in the penalty count and, and canned with a six to go. And We did in the grand final. You go back to the grand final, he give every single decision to Saints. I've watched that game a few times. And yeah, Saints were a better side in that game. There's no doubt about that. And they deserve to win it. And they, they would have won it. But he canned us in everything. Absolutely everything, and and same again tonight in the early stages. There, I mean, I noticed quite a lot of line balls and a lot, quite a lot of forward passes, mm. which I thought were forward. And Jackson Hastings shucks a lot of them out because he did it at Salford last season. He's he's very good at that flat pass, but there was loads of them tonight, and and they forward. I mean, I was shouting it from the touchline. He forward pass, and then I think we got pinged for um, a crossing, an obstruction. And I'm sure Wigan one did a, a bigger one than that, and it, it was let go. So. I didn't think the referee had a great game. I'm not saying he, I'm not blaming him for the loss whatsoever, but he doesn't help sometimes, does it? Because he can get you on the back foot and put you under pressure from, from minute one. Yeah, I think what it is, Paul, it's these top teams, they, they play at speed. So the referee only has one look at it and he probably goes, it probably happens so fast. He thinks, can I, can I really pull it? Did I see that or not? And it's one of them. It, they're only human. Really, you should have videos at all matches. So then you can review stuff. But even, we we talk about videos. Referee video referee gave a try, so it's uh, it's a strange world we live in uh, in twenty twenty. Yeah, but we, me and you, have had this debate um, quite a few times, haven't we? Always chatting about it about the video referee, and you know my thoughts on that um, on field decision thing. I think it's a load of rubbish because you put in the video referee in a really difficult situation because when that the the, the the match referee the the in play referee gives a on field decision of try when he sends it up for a, for a replay. That video ref has already got in his mind, well, he's given a try on the field, so I have then got to come up with some concrete evidence to disallow it. So mm-hmm. half the time, there's no point in going to the video ref because most things, there's, there's legs in the way, there's bodies in the way, there's players' backsides in the way. So you can't see the ball, can you? So they just basically go, well, I can't see it, so we'll just go with what he said on the field. So I don't know, it just, just seems silly sometimes with the way it works. But yeah, like you say, it's been a, been a bit of a crazy season, on it? Yeah, I think the example of that was Joey Lussick's try in the semi-final where he sends yep. it up to the referee yep. and the video ref. And the video ref says, I have, I can't, basically says, there's nothing here for me to disallow it. Rather than, it, it was a bit, bit of a weird thing to say for me. But yeah, I think I think it's a bit video refereed. Well, the referee's got to make a decision on the, on the field. Yeah. You can't say, can't send it up and say, I haven't got a clue, you decide. <laughs> Because that, that what, what, what would that what, that'd be pretty funny, wouldn't it? <laughs> yeah. Well, well, I bet. If, I mean, I don't know if we have any uh, 
neutral supporters listening to us, any Warrington supporters listening, but they were probably watching that game tonight and thinking, well, that's that's one back for the semi-final because yeah. they might be saying, well, that Lussick try was never a try. That'd be their yeah. opinion, wouldn't it? So, ooh, I don't know. People say swings and roundabouts, don't they? But, yeah. <laughs> it is, but it's one of them. We have to move on, don't we, Paul? Um, and, well, um, before the Wigan game, I spoke to Ian Watson um, just about what's going on and, and seeing how he, how he is processing everything going on in, in the team. And this is what he said. All right, Ian, it's Rob. Hi, Rob. Um, Joey Lussick's moving to Parramatta in 2021. Is this the downside of being an opportunity club? Yeah, I'd, I'd like to think it's a credit to what what Joey's done over the last couple of years, mate. Um, it, it's no secret we've had players pinched from us over the last few years. P- people like, you, you look at Joey going and George Griffin last year. George Griffin was with Salford for quite a long period of time. But a, a great player, mate, and, and a great bloke to have in and around your squad. But they, they've earned the right to go and compete somewhere else. And they feel that that's their the best decision for them and their family. And you can't hold that against them. Um, like I say, George, George would have loved to have probably stayed at Salford. He probably felt by going somewhere else at that moment in time, same thing we were talking about to Matt about then about finances. He, everyone weighs the situation up of where clubs are at kind of financially, the, the development path of what youth they have coming through and what stages they have, what support base they have as well. And, that's just, it's, we're no secret that we, we have a small budget and we don't have like the, the biggest numbers coming through the turnstiles. If you look at, flipping heck, if you look at some of them, if you look at Leeds, for example, who we played at weekend, what, what do they have? Like 10,000, 11,000 in every time they play at home. Um, when you've got them crowds coming in, you've not got a problem. So you then put on the back of that selling replica shirts and all that kind of stuff as well. That's, that's just massive, mate, compared to Fingy. So players, do, they take it all into account, mate. They're not daft these days where they don't, they don't think about them kind of things. They think about financial stability for the family because what generally players want to do is they want to achieve things and want to win things. But they also know that it's a short career and they want to get, obviously, money in to look after the family as well. And that's that's how they view it. And some people get... They get called for being greedy for going somewhere else, but they have a lot shorter lifespan in rugby league than they'd probably do in any other kind of business. And what they're doing really is that they're looking out for the best interests of them and their family and ultimately trying to make sure that they achieve things as well. It's not always about the money. It's about achievement and um, challenging themselves to be better. Yeah, you talk about culture a lot at the club and building one. What's the biggest challenge in keeping it going when players come and go making sure you get the right people in mate I think we've been pretty good over that over the last couple of years I mean everyone said about Jacko Jacko for me is one of the best players that this competition's had for a long long time mate Um, you and it might be far out there you look at like Andrew Johns coming across to the competition as a player and the ability he had Jacko's come at the other end of his career really young but his ability to be able to, to, to get the game by the scruff of the neck and win a game and control stuff, he's got an amazing ability. 
we should be kind of really honoured we've got them kind of players over in our competition. And we were told that that was going to be impossible to replace that. And while it was, bringing Kev Brown in as well, who's, who's British, um, to come in and be able to do what he's done. Like I say, probably more respect for him over what he's done over the last few weeks with the injury more than anything. And the way he's really gripped the team, you can see what he would have done a couple of years ago. If he'd probably not... Me personally now, looking at kind of how he's impacted our, our group, he doesn't injure his Achilles last year. And I think Warrington probably go a lot, lot further than what they did. And I know, I know that's a big statement because I think they won the Challenge Cup. But Kev's, Kev's mate, massively influential as a, a player, as kind of influential, obviously, as what Jacko is and stuff like that as well. And we managed to kind of pick him up when probably people didn't see why we were picking him up at that time. But it's, it, it's trying to get the balance of your squad right and understand what people can give you or what you're going to miss at that point. So we had to swap a player like Jacko for um, Kev Brown and everyone goes, oh, well, Jacko's just a runner and he's, he's going to tear people up. Well, Kev's a lot more experienced and a lot cleverer, can control games and win games in different ways as well. Whereas Jacko can, make, Jacko can just fire up and just do something off the cuff and out of nothing. Uh, have we got Wembley out of our system now ready for the Wigan game? Have you done anything different uh, this week? Um, and what's the injury situation like at the club? Yep, no, we, we, we've prepped for Wigan. Um, first session in, we, didn't, um, we spoke quickly about the Wembley. We knew what we'd done in that game. We didn't even review the game. We moved straight on to Wigan, looked at how we're going to break Wigan down. Then we went out and trained um, that way. Like I say, um, obviously with the short turnaround, we needed to have a decent session on that. Tomorrow we'll look at their attack and how we're going to defend them. Um, which there's only small things you, you change basically with your defensive system as well. There's a few fix-ups from obviously the weekend, um, but but we'll be we'll be good with that. The boys know that these are kind of focus. Injury issues, mate. Um, Ryan Lannon, like I said, is out for the season now. Pretend probably um, Kev, probably probably season now, mate. Um, Ken Co was running on the field the other day, um, made up, he was back outside, JJ was back outside running, JJ's the one closest, I think, um, Kenny, ooh, I don't know whether Kenny might get a game towards the end of the year, but I think that'd be more down to the way the medical team worked with him, JJ's probably definitely going to get a game before the end of the season now, again, that's credit to the medical team, I credited the medical team, obviously with Niall coming back as well, you think what they've done with Kev Brown and what they've done with Ryan Lannan as well now. Um, they've been sensational, our medical team, over the last few years, to be fair. Yeah, we play Wigan, Saints and Warrington in the next week. What's the biggest challenge, keeping everyone physically fit or mentally fit after what's happened in the cup final? Oh, it'll both, mate. It'll, because it's going, to be, it's going to be hard, mate. I think we're playing like three games, like say, a week. Then we've got two straight away. It's, it's going to roll quickly as well. This will be the biggest challenge for our squad. The good thing is we've got some great guys in, mate, in terms of like people like Oli Ashall. If you watched Oli Ashall play against Ul KR, he's, he's got something, Oli. Like him, mate. He's got something. Um, you've got the other guys who've come in for us, young Lewis, young Connor, Tom Gilmore. As well, so we've got players that we can manipulate around there. Getting JJ back in will probably help because it gives us an extra middle mate. Um, Gil, Gil's a bit sore, so we'll look after him this week. Same with Welly, Welly's sore. Um, 
Matt Flanagan's sore as well, which you'd expect. Um, obviously, Flash is not getting any younger, and three games in a week is going to probably be a little bit tough for Flash as well. So we we just need to box clever, really. But our medical team, mate, the, the good, uh, they'll, they'll sometimes overrule me if I want to put someone out there as well, and even if they play. So that was Ian Watson, uh, Paul, uh, talking to myself about the the after effects of, of the uh, of the. The Challenge Cup final. He spoke about the next sort of three games being a massive challenge for for him and and the players. Uh, and after sort of today's uh, tonight's effort, you can see why. Yeah, you certainly can. You, you're talking about playing the three, arguably the three biggest. Well, three of the big four in the league, aren't you? If you count Leeds Rhinos as well. So you've just played them in a cup final, and you're playing the other three, aren't you? Saints, Warrington, and Wigan. Um, all three of them got massive resources, big squads, world class players all over the pitch. So it's a big ask, isn't it? And I mean, two of them um, have been knocked out of the cup. So they've sort of had that, you know, that sort of rest period, haven't they? You know, Wigan have. They didn't play against the uh, Catalan Dragons. I don't think Warrington are playing this weekend either. So I think they've got the rest this weekend. Forgive me if I'm wrong, but I don't think they play now until, um, unless they play a midweek game, I'm not too sure. But you know where I'm coming from. They've they've had a bit of time away. St. Helens got knocked out in the quarterfinals of the cup. So they're, they're just concentrating on that league now. So they've got, a big squad to do it as well and these clubs are all always seem to come good at this business end of the season don't they like now Wigan you can see them getting better and better each week and I was looking at their form guide the other day and they've not lost many matches since the restart now so uh, they're up there and, and challenging and I would have thought if I was a betting man I'd, I'd say Wigan and St. Helens are probably going to be the two teams to beat this season now yeah what we'll talk about uh, well, in the past, Annie has talked about peaking at the right time. Uh, last season, we we aimed to peak towards the grand final, which we did. And and I think, sort of looking back, since obviously when lockdown happened, um, with our sort of uh, quarantine fourteen days, and then we lost, didn't we? Sort of the week after, in my in my head, did he did the players and Ian Watson think, well, let's go for the cup. Because obviously the the Super League might have been a bit of a struggle to get back in the in the top four from that position. We still obviously got low, you know, games to play, um, but we don't know what's going to happen, do we? There's you know teams are getting towards that fifteen uh, game mark, aren't they? So it's it's wondering whether the Super League will get the whole sort of um, Super League calendar complete, really. If you want my opinion on that, I don't think they will. No. I don't think we'll play all our games because the, we've got, now I was chatting to one of the press lads tonight. Um, he was a Wigan fan. I can't, forgive me, I can't remember his name. And uh, we were discussing the, the Wigan thing and the Catalan thing. And Catalans have got quite a lot of games left to play. And I believe they've got into like another lock, sort yeah. of lockdown, haven't they? And, and things like that. So the, the laws are changing over there. So I don't think that there's, there's enough time because the grand finals on the, is it the 28th of November? So it's, mm. what, it's about four weeks away, isn't it now? Because we're nearly at the end of October. So you've got about a month to go now to the grand final. So the week before that, you've got the semi-finals. So that leaves you with about three, three and a half weeks to get all these games played. So I can't see them all being played. I think once teams start getting to the, the magical 15 games and they, they might start working out on a percentage then because I was reading the other day where I think two Wakefield players tested positive. Was it yesterday? Um, Catalans have had their game postponed against Hull. I think they're supposed to play Hull this week, so that was postponed. So, no, I just can't see it happening. I can't see every team playing the, the, the magical 20 games or whatever it is they're supposed to play. It makes you wonder, though, with, with Catalan, because they've got so many games to play. Their win percentage would be 66. 
percent. And if they if they can't complete it, what was the rule? I think did it go off games one after that? So potentially that puts sort of Leeds and sort of Hull FC back in the mix if Catalan can't yeah. complete. Yeah, that's right. I mean, Catalans have played twelve. I think they've won, they've, they've only lost four games. They've won eight out of twelve, so mm. they need a couple more wins, don't they? So, in a way, they were probably glad that the game against Wigan got postponed because you know it's a, probably a tricky game. They'd probably rather play somebody one of the bottom lower sides at home. I don't know who else they've got to play. So, um, yeah, they might have fancied that. But I think yeah, they need another three games according to the the Magic Fifteen, don't they? So it's going to be interesting to see how it all pans out. I mean, we mentioned last week on the podcast. Well, I believe so. I believe I said that the grand final might end up at all. I got a text <laughs> off Ryan Booth yesterday saying, you know, young Ryan used to come on the podcast with us. And uh, Ryan texted me last night and said, um, oh, you were, you were right on the podcast. So I texted him and said, what do you mean? And he said, oh, you said about the grand final. I all mean, oh, I was only joking, wasn't I? But yeah, so they've come up with that one now. So I, I don't know what's around the corner now, Rob. Uh, in the next few weeks, we'll have to just keep seeing what happens. I suppose it all depends on these the government situation, these tier three thingies and, and, and tests and all that. But I, I just can't see every team logistically playing all the games. So I think we're going to run out of time. I was going to clip that because you were like, whoa, God, you can't, they'll end up playing it in all of summer. <laughs> they ended up being like that. But, <laughs> yeah, he is, he is right. Yeah. The, the white side one uh, gets it right again. Yeah, Robert Elston must have been listening. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so that's our chat about the Wigan game uh, and now what we'll do Paul uh, we'll look forward to the Saints game on Monday it's time for the double so Salford face Saints on Monday Paul third game in a short space of time, players not having much time to recover has to be said, but you're hoping that, like you say, they'll be able to dig a bit deeper and uh, put in a, a, a good performance. Yeah, certainly. Well, they're going to need to do because St. Helens are uh, they're a tough side, aren't they? They've beaten Leeds tonight, 40 points to eight. I've just seen the score there. So they've had a, a comfortable win over Leeds. But that sort of puts it into perspective. You know, Leeds tonight have been lamped off St. Helens. So they, they're probably suffering a bit of a cup final hangover and they'll probably rested a few of their players. I don't know whether they had a beer after the final. I presume they did. So it's hard to judge the first game after a, after a big final like that. So, so Monday will be another test for us. Um, there's no doubt about that. You know, you look at the St. Helens side, there's so much power and, and pace in the pack. They've got pace to burn out wide. You know, Tommy Makinson, some of the tries he's been scoring have been absolutely fantastic, haven't they? And they've got that punch in the centres as well with Naguama and uh, they've got good good players at halfback as well. You know, Tio Farge is always playing really well for him at the moment. He seems to link up really well. So they've got match winners everywhere, haven't they? And, uh, you know, Alex Warm is an absolute beast in that, that forward they have. So, James Rugby seems to just, just carry on, doesn't he? Like a fine wine, he seems to just get better with age. So they're going to be really hard to beat. They're the team to beat, definitely. But they can't keep playing sort of brilliantly every week. Normally, you, you do have a bit of a blip in form. So let's hope we catch them on a, on a bad night. It will be interesting because obviously teams are, like you said, throwing the games out now. Because I think originally they planned it to get as many games as you can in front of people. So unfortunately, because it all kind of backfired. Now, do, do you think, well, I think, me personally, that the lack of fans doesn't help the situation because the roar of the crowd would give players that extra, you know, five percent in in effort when they're absolutely out on the feet. So it's going to be it's going to be a tough watch, and it's also for me going to be a tough 
play in these next sort of five, six weeks? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I think so. But I think sort of the teams like like the Saints, Wigan, Warrington, they're they're targeting this now, aren't they? Um, you know, there's there's a there's a trophy on offer after all this. You're in the Super League Grand Final, and if you're a player, I don't think you're bothered whether it's played at. Obviously, well, I think I think bothers the wrong word. I think you're um, you're disappointed. You won't be walking out at Old Trafford, but whether you walk out at Old Trafford, Spotland Stadium, you know wherever. Blackpool, it doesn't make any difference where you walk out. You're walking out in a grand final to play for the Super League trophy, aren't you? So being at Hull on a Friday night might be a bit of a, a different thing, but it's not a stadium. And the prize at the end of it is, is that Super League trophy. So I think you're going to see teams switched on now. Say, Ellen's might rest a few players on, on Monday for this game. You know, they've played a full strength side tonight from what I've seen. Everybody's in there. Johnny Lomax, T.O. Fires, Roby, Matty Lees. It is like, that's probably one of their their strongest sides. I can't see anybody in that team who uh, who doesn't normally play. Uh, Josh Sim, I think the uh, the young centre, he's he's played tonight. Whereas you probably normally have Chris Percival in there, but he's probably one of the youngsters. But he scored a hat trick tonight, so he can't be a bad player. So he's probably another one of the youngsters off the St. Helens uh, conveyor belt. So so yeah, it'll be very very tough on on Monday, and uh, perhaps it'll uh, perhaps it'll chuck it down at, at Headingley and uh, make it a bit of a leveler for for us. <laughs> Give us your score prediction, Paul. Uh, well, it's going to be a tough one, this, I think. I was thinking of back in St. Helens, but because I've never done that on the podcast, I'll have to go with Salford, won't I? Um, I'm going to go Salford, 18, St. Helens, 14. 18, 14, Salford. Um, yeah, my wife's sat here with the St. Helens. I'm going to go well. Saints. 24, Salford 36. Yeah, I'm getting um, I'm getting heckled here by my wife. She's got a hoodie on, a St. Ellen's hoodie. Thanks, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Secret St. Ellen's support. She's secret Salford's support last season we got to the grand final, but that's all changed. <laughs> Bandwagon merchant. So, mon- mon- so mon- yeah, I, I think it's going to be a tough one, Rob. Yeah, Monday might be a bit difficult in your house if both of you have got a war over this. No, oh, no, she's not bothered. She's not bothered about believe my missus. Glory on her. Glory on her. <laughs> <laughs> Got this on tape, remember? <laughs> yeah, it's like I said, tough game, Rob, but we'll see. We'll see what happens. I'm, I'm sure what I will uh, have something up his sleeve, won't we, for, uh, for Monday. And, yeah, and we go again, don't we? Obviously disappointed with the, with the scoreline tonight and the final score, but, you know, Monday's a different game, isn't it? And, uh, you know, we start on nil-nil and just got to see what happens. But it's going to be a tough week, there's no doubt about that. Yeah, big thanks for tuning to this week's uh, podcast, Ibro Parks. And don't forget um, to celebrate our 300th episode. Uh, we're giving away a picture of Greg Johnson's try for the million pound uh, miracle. It's not the actual picture of the try. It's like a, um, how would you describe it, Paul? Um, it's a bit like a battle plan, really, isn't it? Of how we got to the, the line. It's a bit like Dad's Army when they've got those arrows at the beginning of the show and it's showing you where they're going, isn't it? Uh, yeah, I'd say it's like a bit of a, uh, I don't say dot to dot, but it's similar to that, isn't it? The plan of what, the way the ball went and how the play went. So, yeah, it's good though. It's interesting. Yeah, it's a beautiful picture. Um, so don't forget, we put it on our Facebook and our Twitter. So follow the link, put your name in and um, you might end up a winner, pal. Yeah, you've got to be in it to win it. So, big thanks to this week's uh, Devil in Detail podcast. I'm Rob Paxton. You can find us on Facebook, Devil in Detail SRD. You can find us on Twitter, at the ITD SRD. And you can find us on SoundCloud, iTunes, and Radio Contact. So, thanks for listening. And on Spotify as well.
Thanks for listening. And we'll see you next week.